Welcome, guys, to another episode of the PTMA podcast. Uh, a special bonus episode this week again. We've had the pleasure of having a coach by the name of Cameron Cummings join us. Cameron works with us um, on a one-to-one basis in the mentorship, and he really has homed in and specialised in small group training. And it's one of those subjects where we get a lot of questions about. Um, we dig into what made him land at that particular uh, service. We go into the advice he would give a trainer when starting out, how to deal with barriers that PTs might have, making a transition from one-to-one into small group training, the advantages, types of conversations that you'd have with clients that you want, that you feel are necessary and able to go into small group training. Um, determining the name, the price point, the numbers, we really dig into quite a lot. Um, Cameron's been a PT for a, a good number of years, um, very deliberate and calculating in how he runs his business um, and just got some real golden nuggets of insights and advice for anybody thinking about uh, transitioning or adding this layer of service into their business. Hope you really get a lot from this today. I've, I've put some of the questions um, that we put to Cameron and some of the discussion points in the show notes. If you have any feedback, want to pass on any feedback to us or to Cameron, um, the email as normal is in the show notes, guys. Hope you enjoy this. And if you do feel like someone else you know would benefit from this, please share, tag us in, uh, leave a review, always helps us out. Thanks, guys. There we go. Um, right, folks, good to have you all on. Um, specifically, great to have you on, my mate, Cameron. Um, really good. Obviously, a really specific topic today, but something that comes up quite a lot when we have conversation with PTs um, for many different reasons that we're going to get into today. Um, I think, first of all, just to give you a bit of a shout as well, mate, I think from our side of things, obviously, we work quite closely together now, but the, the business that you've built from a pure gym using this model is like unbelievable. Um, you've done really, really well um, within, a, within a pure gym club. And I think it's great that obviously it's, it's one thing me and Nick talking about it, knowing that we've kind of messed about with that product in the past when we were coaching full time. But I think it's another thing having a PT in there that's running a successful business now using the product, very relevant to the PTs that are listening um, to talk through what's been great about it and building it, what's been the challenges and how we can get stuck into certain elements that I suppose you would give advice to, to personal trainers if they were transitioning or building it out. But first of all, mate, do you want to just give a bit of a, an intro to who you are, what you do, and all of that tackle? Yeah, so um, I'm based in a city centre um, commercial gym, so um, Crew Gym Quarter Mile. Um, so I've been at another Crew Gym previously and just moved across semi-recently. So I've been in Crew Gym for maybe coming up to four years now, although I'm sure a chunk of that's been in COVID, so God knows how many months actually in Crew Gym. But um, yeah, so I've been running small group um, for about five, yeah, five and a half, six years now. I think I was a PT for about six months before I started dabbling and then I started to do more and more of it. Um, I was, the first gym I was in was a commercial gym. The second gym I was in was an independent gym. And then I moved back to Edinburgh from Glasgow and I, I worked in a kind of like hotel gym, which was a little bit unusual. It's kind of like a commercial gym, kind of not. Very small membership, like relative terms of so three, 400 members. And then but was still commercial and then that closed down and I moved into pure gym um, and came to the dark side. So that's probably a, a short intro. Well, no, that's really, really good. And again, I don't want to, very similar to when we had Ollie and Jens on and stuff, I, what we don't want it to be with us on this is end up being like an interview where we ask questions and it's back and forth and so on. We just want a, a really open general chat about kind of your experience and, and kind of how you built what you've built. Um, and I think where we'll start, um, many reasons, and again, I'll dig into the context in a minute, is more around what made you prioritize small group training? What was it? 
that made you think, do you know what, that's the product and the route that I'm going to go down. So then we can start to dig into different areas off the back of that. Yeah, sure. So I think there's a few things that come into it, but one of the things that I think, I think a lot of the, there's a couple of different reasons you might go down that route, but one of the things that will probably come up, if you're a busy one-to-one trainer, it's quite hard to have a schedule that suits you and suits your clients. Yes, you can manage your time really well, but it, it does get a little bit more challenging. You get to that point where you're fully booked, but you'll know, like you guys will know that, you know, there's almost sometimes a limit to your income a little bit with that as well because you either don't want to work later or you don't want to work more on the weekends and if you've not got as many people who want to train in the middle of the day particularly if you're in like a corporate club or in an area that's quite officey then you know it's going to be mornings it's going to be lunchtime it's going to be evenings so one of the things I found in the first gym I was in was I got really really quite busy and started to struggle a bit because the times I was having to give people were times I didn't really want to be coaching them and were also times they didn't really want to train so that was where maybe like the first like seed was kind of there that like there might be you know um, some challenges with this model and that's not to say you can't be a very busy successful one-to-one trainer Um, it's just an observation of scheduling so that was part of it also something I think for me I, I found and a lot of the clients that I train is that when they went off to do their own sessions, like, yes, some of them were adherent, but they weren't really enjoying it the same amount, which is something that I kind of was quite reflective on. And then also I tended to find that they didn't train very hard. You know, you'd find a lot of them would go into the sessions, they tick the box, which is still sometimes all we need them to do. That's fine. Someone's coming in with you pushing really hard and doing two sessions on their own where they give 70%, still going to make good progress. But I found a lot of the clients and that it's training and still do train, um, wanted you to be there with them so I started to realize that small group was a really good option I became kind of aware of it um, like semi-private or small group um, I know there's a little bit of a difference between the two um, or there's meant to be at least um, and then I kind of heard about that and left the bar and I started playing with it and then I decided to jump all in on it but that that's the kind of couple of reasons for business stuff from a personal point of view I really like structure I found the cancellation chop and change aspect of one-to-one quite tough. Um, I don't necessarily know that it suited my personality quite as well, small group. I really like doing four sessions from 6 to 10 a.m. in a block and then knowing that I'm doing three sessions at night. I really like the structure of that. That's my personality. Some people are all more loose. They quite like having that time randomly pop up. That's spare when they get cancellation, but I found it drove me nuts. And the busier I got, the more frustrating I found it. And that was probably the personal piece that I found more difficult because it didn't allow me to go out and do the things I wanted to do as much. But that was in the formative stage of my career. So I might now, if I was to do one-to-one, be a little bit better at setting boundaries. So that was that was certainly why I got into it, but it's not to say that any one-to-one business is like that. It was just mine at that time. What gave you the, um, I guess with, with with PTs kind of thinking about this and those, those barriers, which we can dig into a little bit, but personally, what gave you the, was there one thing or a couple of things that gave you confidence to actually tr- make the transition? It's a tricky one because I think that probably it, it almost, it was normalized because I was in Lift the Bar and there were other people doing it. And because there were other people doing it, I'm typically the type of person that's confident or certainly arrogant enough to think if someone else is doing it, I can probably give it a pun. And whilst I knew that when I started it, it wouldn't be perfect, and I'm a big believer in this in PT, if you put effort and energy into it, even if things aren't perfect, generally, as long as you're making a good job of it and you're positive and you want to be there, your clients will tolerate like having little flaws in your programming initially. And then obviously over time it smooths out. And even then I kind of knew that. So it was kind of normal for me because I wasn't seeing everybody doing it. Certainly nobody in the gyms I was in was doing it, but I would see friends doing it. I would see gym owners doing it. So I thought, well, why can't I do that? I think just... Plugging into that as well, typically the model normally is when a personal trainer has been gradually building up, similar to the same process you went through, building up um, their busyness, so client base and so on, got to a point where they realized they're more or less at capacity, sort of saturated where they need to be. And obviously the other options at that point when you reach that ceiling is either to increase my prices or add another product or revenue stream into the business, right? Which is normally the route of where personal trainers will start to add in another product like small group training um, or online coaching and so on. Now that was 
absolutely the way to go, wasn't it? And there's no blueprint to this. Like, there's no, you should do it this way. But that yeah. was only the most common way to go in the past. But I think as an industry, we've started to move. I think COVID's caused this. Like, we're looking at other products and going, actually, I don't need to be a full personal trainer to be a great online coach. Or I don't need to be a full personal trainer to be able to start a small group training product because you don't. But typically, that's what the mindset was, wasn't it? Get full capacity and so on just what advice would you give let's do this first because i've got another question for you off the back at the minute what advice would you give a new personal trainer who isn't necessarily full of how to go about setting small group training up within to their schedule and what to what the initial things to consider yeah I think that, first off, that's a really valid point. It's when I was in the industry, even six years ago, this is how new online coaching really is. Chris Burgess was talking about in Lift the Bar doing hybrid, where you do a bit of online with a bit of that. And that was fairly cutting edge back when I started in Lift the Bar. Nobody was doing that. Um, and, and, you know, that, that, was, that was almost the closest to online, really, that was, like, widely spoken about was hybrid. So, yeah, absolutely, small group was a normal route. I think that the advice I would give is first off, like, what do you want? Because some people love one-to-one trainer, one-to-one PT, and that really suits them really well. And some people are going to be really well suited to being online. So like, first off, make sure that's what you want, because something that we've spoken about in calls previously is you've got, you've got to commit when you do things. And, And this is the point I'll come on to next is that if you're going to go into small group, I really do think you have to make it a good enough offering to get people to commit to it. I'm not the biggest advocate of just being putting on like two small group sessions a week and just like trying to fill a couple at a time. I think if you're gonna go into it, I think sometimes, I don't mean you have to put on a full schedule of 30 sessions, but I think you've got to offer enough flexibility that the client gets a benefit of it. Because there's quite a few benefits to small group, but very practically and logistically speaking from what the client sees, is they need to have flexibility in the schedule. A lot of people who come to you for a small group are going to want a little bit more flexibility. They're going to want the opportunity to train at times that suit them. So if you've only got two slots a week, one on a Monday night at 7 p.m. and one on a Saturday, that's fine, but it will take you quite a long time to build out your small group program to where you want it to be. What I find worked really well for me is I just went for it and I just committed to, I'm going to do small group and small group only and moving my clients across to it. And it's really interesting when I speak to trainers who are looking to do that is a lot of them think they will get a lot of resistance from the one-to-one clients. The way I did it is I basically said to them, look, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to do it for a month. If you really don't like it after that month, you can go back to one-to-one. And of course, what happens is suddenly someone's now seeing you three times a week or four times a week instead of one or two for less money in essence. Um, so they're paying you less and they think, wait a second, this is much, much better value for money. Now, yes, you might get 10, 15% of your clients who want to stick with one-to-one, that's fine. But I just committed straight off. And what I would say to new trainers is that you've really got to commit to it. If you keep giving one-to-one clients that you really, really want to shift into small group too much of an option without even trying it, because it was a good way of framing it. It's like, try it for a month. If you don't like it, it's not going to be the end of the world. We'll move back. But if you give them too much of an option, a lot of them will just stick with what they know. So I think that's probably the first piece of advice, especially if you're a busy trainer who's really looking to like, right, I need to move to small group because I'm burnt out and this isn't working for me anymore. You have to commit to that process. If you're a new trainer and a bit more nervy, I could give you that same advice, but will you be able to follow it? Potentially not because you're scared of losing clients. And that might be the scenario where you do need to put on five, six small group sessions and just try and build up more gradually. If you're that full-time trainer transitioning across, then you just got to go for it a little bit more. I think you've got to commit and really encourage strongly clients to get into that. So I think that's the advice I'd give is don't, don't try kind of do it, really commit to it and make sure you've got a big enough schedule that you're trying to build excitement around it, whether that's obviously on social media these days. Um, But even if you have a client group, like really bloody well sell it. Like your clients buy into what you say. If they've bought into you as a person and you sell it like it's the hottest shit going, they will buy into it because they trust you. That's a really important thing. Whereas if you're like, yeah, it's like a little bit better than one-to-one, but you're telling them there might be some drawbacks, like that's not going to get you anywhere. You've got to commit and you've got to believe in it as well. A really good point, mate. Really good point there. Um, just as you're talking through that, obviously, a couple of questions that popped up in my head. 
Um, one of the massive things that is a, a worry or potentially a confidence issue, so I'm not sure whether you would have thought this yourself, but a lot of trainers kind of think, well, how do I get, how do I get these mix of people into the right sessions almost? Um, did you feel that it, at all, like in regards to being able to, I guess that mindset shift because you're going from one-to-one -one where all of the onus is, and all of the focus is on that one person in that one hour or whatever time you do, and then shifting that over to, well, now my attention spread across multiple people and are those multiple people going to be at the same level and how am I going to deal with that? And that's a really, it's probably the, probably the most common, I guess, hang up and question we get asked when, uh, but obviously we talked to PTs about this. Have you had that before? Is there any kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, it's an absolute valid point, isn't it? Is ultimately like you are now spreading, you've got an hour and you're now spreading it between four people. So how, how do you make sure you're coaching them effectively? I think a good point about that is take a step back for a second and, and be honest with yourself about how much are you actually coaching people and how much are you chatting shit between sets now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, because ultimately, when we're trying to build a relationship with the one-to-one -one clients, like I've had some one-to-one -one clients for five years, I've not just stood there, given them one coaching cue and been silent for the last four years. I wouldn't have many clients doing that. You've got to have chat with them. But a lot of the time when people come in, one of the things that I find most interesting small groups, they often get a little bit more work done. So I think you have to have a bit of context of like, even if you're an excellent one-to-one -one trainer, like there's going to be like time there that's not necessarily used super effectively now you're almost trading that you're trading like almost a little bit of that quality for quantity sometimes a small group but you then have an opportunity to see that person three times a week so yes if you're coaching a deadlift a barbell deadlift you might have 15 minutes in a one-to-one -one session to spend really breaking it down with that client you won't be able to do that in a small group session you can't you can't focus on one client for that long but what you will be able to do, do is expose that client to that same deadlift three times in a week over a month period and guaranteed within like from a skill point of view, they will pick that skill up faster. We also know that, and then this is useful as well, although obviously like, you know, in your programming, you might not have people doing the exact same movements, but sometimes you will. Um, what happens is like, we know a little bit like the mirroring occurs. So when you, they see another client do it, pick, people pick it up quicker. So you're coaching them, but then they also see someone else doing it. It allows them to um, pick up that skill a little bit faster as well. So there, there are other little bits as well involved in it, but it's an absolutely valid concern. What you have to get confident in as a coach is that you can cue effectively and that you don't overcoach. And that's probably the bit of advice I would give from a coaching point of view is, Try and get to the point of your one-to-one trainer when you, you know that you're not overcoaching because if you're giving someone five cues in a set of 10 reps, that's not effective anyway. Even as a one-to-one trainer, it's not effective. We know that the science reflects that. But if you get really good at giving one or even two at an absolute push, good cues as a one-to-one trainer in a set, then that carries through quite nicely with a small group because all you're doing is doing that on repeat. And it's also useful to know that you're not going to have four people simultaneously doing a barbell deadlift like I, I can't, there's never been a time that's happened in our sessions. You're going to have people in different continuums. So certain movements are more skillful and not. If you've got people doing a deadlift with a pushing exercise or a core exercise, whatever it is, or mobility exercise, if you've got a little filler there, some of that needs a lot of coaching. Some of it doesn't. Like I've got clients that have been training with me for a long, long time. And even a client after three or four months, like how much cueing do they need on a dead bug compared to deadlift? So it's okay to focus on one client a little bit more in one moment who's deadlifting and then just give one cue to that person doing a dead bug. And then your attention goes back to the person deadlifting. It's fine to do that because when that other person doing that dead bug comes to deadlift, your attention's with them. So you prioritize when you're coaching. And I think that's the important thing. And something as well worth saying, if you've got people that you've got three people in the session that are slightly more experienced, probably different levels of experience, and you've got someone that's brand new, it is okay to spend five to 10% more time with them. Most of your clients are going to be absolutely fine with that, that you take a little bit more time with them because your other clients aren't going to need you to point out where the dumbbell rack is or where the kettlebells are. And they've been through that too. So people are quite empathetic. And again, they're training with you three times a week. They don't need you looking over their shoulder every second of the day you'll probably know yourself guys that 
if you've trained someone three times a week or if, God forbid, if you train someone four times a week in a one-to-one setting, you start to run out of chat a little bit. But also when you're coaching someone four times a week, like you do tend to find that you step back a little bit from the coaching piece of it and you end up being a little bit more conversational as a coach because well, you have to. You're not going to be changing exercise every session if you've got good programming. So it's okay to be a little bit more efficient with your coaching. And if someone's got most of the skill, you might only be giving them one cue anyway. So I think that helps is you prioritize and also you get effective with your cueing. And then also understanding that if you have got a beginner in the group, it's okay to spend 5%, 10% more of the session with them. Your other clients aren't going to get annoyed at that because they're still getting enough attention across those three sessions a week. Mm. And you're still saying their name, you're still engaging with them your attention still on them every 60 70 seconds mm, really good points mate really good point so and i guess obviously an obvious point to kind of throw out there off the back of that for anyone kind of watching or listening but listening back is obviously the price reflects the value do you know what i mean so if you're if that price point is going down whether that's and what I mean by that, whether it stays the same and the volume of frequency goes up, that price point is still going down technically. Um, did you did you have any, I don't know if you did or not, that's what I'm asking, but did you have any, I'm having an argument in my head, did you have any conversations with your clients about the kind of change in environment and what would, the types of things that maybe to expect the difference between a one-to-one and obviously group there are obvious things but did you spell anything out in that transition yeah i can think of one client in particular who bit of context one-to-one client had been for two in a bit years um with me um had been one of our friends was an online coach previously had or if she would she wouldn't mind me saying and, and she was a really um what you call like a generally quite high skill gym goer um, so like bordering, like when we're talking about general population, not athletes, but general population, quite advanced, quite knowledgeable as well. You know, if you turn around and say, go into an RDL, she's not going to look at you quizzically. She knows what she's doing. Um, and she's been bloody strong and is bloody strong as well. So, you know, I, I think she was a little bit reticent about going in small groups. She didn't know what to expect. Um, and, you know, basically, again, I just sold it on there, like clients have the buy-in. So I said, look, try it, see how you find it after a month. And of course, she absolutely loved it. She's ended up loving the social side of it. And one of the things that's really interesting is her progress has been much, much faster. And I think it's an interesting thing about value and, and, and stuff. Like, I, this is my bias coming out, but I personally generally feel on average that clients get more value out of small group than they even do at one-to-one. I have to say that because I find my clients who train with me three times a week, I have that confidence as a coach. If someone sees me three times a week, they're going to make better progress then they are seeing me once a week and not training at all on their own. Or even if they do come in once a week and train twice on their own, they're probably going to train harder with me. They're in an environment which encourages it and things like that too. So it's an interesting thing when it comes to the value perception as well, as I actually often do feel that like for me, most of the time, not always, there are exceptions. Most people get more value out of small group because they just get to walk in the gym, switch off, enjoy, have a conversation with other adults, which, you know, if you train parents is quite an important thing. And they get, they make savage progress. Like my small group program clients almost always make better progress than a one a week, one-to-one client does. I think unpacking this, and it's obviously great comments, like unpacking this is, You've started to really highlight the benefits for any PTs that have never even thought about it before in regards to, obviously it adds to that accessibility for clients, but also stays within you controlling your schedule. Um, It gives them the opportunity to be around others to help them push and mirror other people when it comes to technique and form. Um, It gives them the opportunity to have higher frequency, which obviously nine times out of 10 brings higher adherence and higher results. So they're all a really decent strong benefits of small group training we know that can we just dig into a little bit Cameron into the product itself because I'm, I don't want to what I don't want to do is jump over the very very bare bones and basics of it of obviously small group training as a product so in a sense of um the volumes of people that you have in one session how like how comfortable you are with having how many people because we know that the industry rules for small group training, which is kind of throwaway. We just created them over years and so on. And then that puts it into a bit of a rabbit hole, but it'd be interesting to see how you manage numbers, what the numbers are, what small group training, you mentioned frequency and that 
that gives you the opportunity to do that. So obviously not, you can go into pricing if you want, but then how, from a pricing perspective, does that different difference, has a difference from the one-to-one model potentially that you did? Just any of that information, I think is really important to get across to PTs. Yeah, I think I think one of the first ones is a really practical consideration is how many people can you coach? Well, the first, like at a time and do it well, I think I'm my view on it is that that is firstly a skill aspect of as a coach and also an environment thing. So I'm in a very busy, as you guys know, a very busy commercial gym. Now, if I had eight people on the gym floor, um, that would be almost the entire functional area. And uh, I think I'd have a very pissed off manager very quickly and uh, lots of other PTs that um, weren't, weren't too chuffed. So there's a practical element to like that, like the gym environment, but also from, from a client point of view, I, I know that if I coached eight people, I, I couldn't do as good a job as I'm doing. I have toyed with six people and my honest thoughts are is I could do about as good a job as I do now with six people in the right environment. But right now for me, because the gym's so busy and in terms of kit considerations and things like that, it wouldn't be practical. I think that for me doing small group one to four works brilliantly. I think that the easiest number of people to coach is often three for some reason, like two or three, it's probably a little bit easier. Um, Four is still very solid. Um, And I think that that kind of works brilliantly for me, but it just sort of depends on what your price point is and what your volume is. For me, I still lean slightly to more that with my service I kind of want to be slightly higher price point higher service quality that's kind of my bias and who I work with and um, generally people are willing to pay a little bit more for that um, but this is not to say it's wrong to work with eight people it just depends on like the level of individualization is going to scale down with the more people you have and you have to figure out where you're comfortable if you're a one-to-one trainer it's a very big jump from one to eight people but from one to three people is actually a relatively small jump. I think the thing with that as well is there is no arbitrary number that is right for one one group of people. It really depends. If you've got your own gym or whatever, then it's totally different. Like look at Cressy Sports Performance over in America. They've been doing semi-private with individualized programming for forever. And they have a really quite a large amount of um, athletes to trainer um, ratio, but the, the trainers are incredibly skillful They've been doing it so long that it's so well refined and they've got this environment which is custom built for their athletes as well. So that's a very, that's a stretch from where I am in a commercial gym in the centre of Edinburgh with minimal space. And although the kit's very good, realistically, it's not kit that's specifically designed. I don't have X kettlebells and Y barbells set out for my clients. So me trying to replicate that in that gym is a recipe for disaster. So I think that's the first thing is like, what space do you have on the gym floor, like physical space, especially in the days of social distancing. And that'll be better for the guys in England where you're down to one meter, one meter plus. I think it's slightly different for us up north with their two meters, um, because it's got to be a bit special, you know? Uh, And that that would be the first thing. And then also look at kit considerations and how you train people. If If you're really barbell focused, I mean, we use barbells, but we don't use them all the time and not for everything. If you're really barbell focused, like how many barbells can you take off the gym floor? Cause I can take four off the gym floor. I might only be able to take two and three would even be a push. So it depends on your style. Whereas if you're more kettlebell driven and you use a lot of dumbbells, a lot of body weight, we, we use a whole mixture of stuff to be honest, then we can get away with four really well. So I think that's a consideration, but also what you're confident in. There's no point in putting on eight people if you don't believe it in yourself. If you feel like it turns into like a really shitty version of personal training, there's no point. That's not what small group training should be. It should be high quality coaching in a group environment. It shouldn't just be like, I've got a PT session that's now spread between eight people and they're getting literally like 10% of the value that they, they would normally get in a small group session, but it's a bit cheap, uh, a one-to-one, but it's a bit cheaper kind of thing. Yeah. So I think that's a consideration. Yeah, I think the biggest point and the biggest, I suppose, um, gap that I see for PTs when they when they dip the toes in with small group is that they, they go from they see it as like very much a small boot camp. So they'll just exchange time for money and see it as an opportunity to go, right, well, I'll cut my cost in half or in a quarter and I will basically charge for the session, right? Um, And essentially then the clients that turn up only value that time, just like a one-to-one client does. And a lot of PTs see it as it's as simple as I need to either chop it in half for two people, chop it in a quarter for four people and so on. 
where there has to be a more viable coaching model and service delivered and the price point needs to obviously represent that as well. Um, when, when it comes to the, obviously going over what I've just said, I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are, but more so on the pricing side of things, how did you manage and handle that um, initially to kind of where you are now? Yeah. I mean, initially, I'm trying to think what my prices were way back when, God knows, five years ago, long time. Um, trying to think, I, I think I had, I always did monthly from, from when I've done, not one-to-one, when I did one-to-one, I initially did blocks, then monthly, lift the bar very much, like drilled that home in me very early on. Like Stuart and Chris were always like hitting that drum. So like within a few months, I was like, okay, blocks are shit basically, which is my opinion. I appreciate some people still do blocks, but my opinion is blocks are shit. And your opinion I is think right. That yeah, well, <laughs> thanks. Um, I think that I think that sometimes like time length programs can work, but I think for most PTs, just having steady monthly revenue is super important. So I do I do it all monthly now, and I always did. I think I started quite a low price point, about hundred pound a month, um, about ninety nine pound a month. It probably was, um, and then kind of built up a little bit. I think that that almost reflected the coaching quality back then as well, is that one of the gyms I was in in Glasgow, like I was doing up to six people. And I did think there was like, compared to what I'm coaching now, it's totally different. But even then I'd sort of done four people and then I moved to six thinking that might be better and realized that actually for me in that particular environment, that was just a few too many. I think if I was now doing it, my skill set would allow me to do it well enough that I could charge more. But I think that was the right price point for what people were getting. Um, so that really, uh, I mean, in terms of what's changed, it's just gone up really. I've just, I've just moved up. And a lot of the time, what I've done is kept the same price points as such, and then, you know, moved to like, what was my three session package is now the same price, but for two and things like that. But, um, I think that when it comes to how you approach that, you have to remember that you, like you kind of said, is like, it's not just the sessions they're getting, they're still clients, they're not class attendees. So with a class attendee, you're like literally charging the half hour, they piss off, happy days, that's fine. When they are a client, you're still delivering a service outside of that. So you still need to charge appropriately for that. Um, and you also need to consider that small group is, I guess, it, it, I think it is more challenging to coach. I think it's more intense to coach. I really like it and enjoy it. So it doesn't feel like that. But I guess objectively, like you're running between four people, you're probably faffing about with kit for them a little bit more than you would for a one-to-one client. It's a lot of work and, and you have to be on it. You can't, you know, sit around for five minutes chatting to them in the same way that you might be because you've got four of them to kind of uh, deal with. So I think that for most PTs, having a look at what your hourly rate is right now, and then even looking to how do I get that to like one and a half? So if you're charging, let's say the average industry rates, like what, like 35, 30, 35 pounds, um, depending on your area you're in, um, hopefully it's keeping up a bit these days, but let's say you're charging 30 pounds. It's pretty sensible to think, well, like at minimum, I should be making like 45, 50 pounds an hour for all this extra effort. Um, and I think that's enough, especially when you first start to incentivize you to feel like, well, I'm making you know a much better hourly rate. I'm kind of backtracking from there. So let's say you are charging for just the sake of argument and simplicity, like you're charging now 40 pounds an hour and now you want to go to like one and a half times that 60. So it should cost your clients 15 pounds per session. And if they're coming in three times a week and you can basically reverse engineer it from there, that would be one way of doing it. Um, I think you've got to make sure that you're earning more because I've spoken to so many PTs and they're almost earning less hourly because if the session's not like full as such or they've not like filled all their small group slots, then, you know, actually they're earning less than that. And that's just madness for extra work. So I think that's a real consideration is like, you should be able to make more money from this hourly, not less. And that's really important. You're going to be working harder. You're going to have to check in with more people. So you do need to make sure you're charging appropriately for that. But I would recommend strongly to anyone, like, yes, it's fine to have a trial period. I have a 30-day trial period, which is basically a month-long trial. And then I move to like the monthly recurring. I don't think for like a block of small group sessions is a good idea at all. I think with that many people, it just becomes a bloody nightmare. I don't know how you manage that financially and I think it's much easier to keep things monthly and it also is important because small groups tends to because you see people so frequently get the buy-in of people who become real regulars like they're coming on all the time the um, bond in the group there's a community aspect of it all those things help with the retention so I think it helps the culture to have that kind of process of monthly rather than you know someone does 10 sessions and fucks off like that's not necessarily like the best approach. 
Mate, some absolutely solid points. And I think it is one of the, the complications is because everyone does kind of go off what I said before, isn't it? And so just chopping that down and ends up the return on investment isn't much more, even though you've started to condense hours and that's the whole point. Um, especially these days as well as like I mentioned before, new personal trainers coming into the industry, like these new PTs coming into the industry now who will have another job plus the 12 hours that they'll do for their commercial gym. And plus trying to build a business. So actually small group training becomes a really good viable product then for someone who's juggling life outside plus another job plus that as a way to generate awareness and start a new product to work with more people and so on and get more experience working with different people. It's a challenge, don't get me wrong, because you'd want to be comfortable working with one and two people before you do three and four together. But it doesn't mean to say it can't be done clearly. And I think one of the, 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 the issues and frustrations PCs aren't like frustrations around word, but um, one thing that comes up a lot is how should I price it? And the way we talk about it, it's very, very similar to what you've just talked about. You still should be pricing for the service. So it should be the service of the coaching time that they're spending with you, plus the admin time away, which is the check-in, the nutrition support. The client group needs to be really solid, doesn't it? The, the, the client group in, in regards to the, the social media group that you've put on with maybe more education and stuff. Essentially, because you're seeing them more frequently, it gives you an opportunity within the model to probably, for the clients that you're seeing now once a week, they'll probably be able to, this model will help you, help them see you twice or even maybe three times per week. For the clients currently seeing you twice per week and paying 230, 240 pound a month could probably afford to then move up to three or four sessions per week. And that's kind of the pricing model that we normally recommend for you to go off. Um, but hopefully that gives people a little bit more clarity on the price, the products, and um, I suppose the do's and don'ts of how to handle that and so on. Um, Nick, I don't know if you wanted to dig into any more points on that specifically before we move on to. All right, cool. So a couple of questions that we did have in like preparation for this was more so in and around marketing um, and onboarding. So how would you market and onboard this product i suppose what would you consider what would you um have personal trainers consider um what do they need to understand how would that potentially change or differ from the one-to-one -one marketing message that they currently have yeah any considerations around that please mate how did you go about it i think the thing that's really worth considering for small group and this is something i'm very honest about is we've talked about all the pros of small group but there is a, uh, there's a few cons and one of the major cons is that you are going to deal with a higher volume of people. So that means a couple of things in context to your question. For onboarding, you kind of need to have an onboarding process. They wing it and hope like hell it's going to work. Um, kind of a process of just taking people on and, you know, not having a real process and doing some bits now and some bits later does not work well when you're taking on maybe two or three people in a week rather than one person for one-to-one. -one. So I think that's an important context is like, you know, you, you've got more scale that can lead to more problems. Like if you've got a hole in that bucket, it just makes the uh, water pour out faster kind of thing. And then the other thing with that as well is you have to have an understanding that you're going to, to make the money you want to make, you need more clients. So let's say your PT wanting to make 40K a year, it's reasonable to assume that you maybe need like, let's say 30 clients, 150 pound a month, giving you four and a half K a year. Um, by the time you consider some drop-offs and stuff and maybe expenses of 10k that gives you about 54k minus 10k something like that so you're making 40 grand a year from these 30 sessions uh, 30 people to do that you have to start to look at like okay well how many sessions do you need to run is one of them and then how many people do you need obviously is the, the first thing but you can look at let's say you've got 30 people you know that they're coming in three times a week on average. Um, and that means you need about 23, 24 sessions a week, which is not a huge amount of PT hours. So that kind of helps you establish like the overall structure. Now you've got that idea, you need 30 people. That's the first thing I'd comment on is to make that 40K from one to one, you need significantly less clients because you don't necessarily need to have, you might get away with, let's say, your average client's paying you like 200 to 300 pounds when you are a one-to-one -one trainer. You might only have 15 clients and might be at that same income level. So now you need twice as many clients, which get, means guess what? Well, your marketing needs to be often, you have to do twice as much of it in essence, especially when you first start. 
I think that's something that's worth considering is it can be more effortful to get enough people in the door. Um, and that, that is definitely something to consider. Yes, we'll talk about marketing messaging in a second as well, but like that's the first thing I'd say is like, if you've only got three clients and you've got no leads coming in the door, going to a small group program might not actually solve your problem. It might make it worse because when you do take on the few clients you're getting, they're paying you less. So you just aren't getting enough people to make it work for you. So I think that's an important consideration. If you've got like one client like and you're struggling with lead gen it could be that you're just new and that's fine but if you're struggling with lead gen like it might not solve the problems you think it will going cheaper rarely solves any problems as you guys will probably talk about like just reducing the price by 25 pound a month 50 pound a month is really going to get you significantly more clients and um, it often gets you just worse clients so i think that's the first thing i'd say in terms of messaging um i think that you've just got to say for what it is you know sell the pros of flexibility within the schedule like i have a lot of really busy clients who have quite stressful jobs if you're an icu doctor being given like a 5 p.m slot on a monday night well pretty pretty hopeless to be honest like you're going to get in probably once a month which is great um you'll make no progress and it'll be a waste of your money so actually having a flexible schedule of 23 sessions like i've spoken about suddenly they've got a lot of options. They can chop and change a little bit more often. You might have a cancellation policy, which is maybe instead of you know 48 hours or 24 hours, you can maybe get away with 12 hours. We actually do six hours and it works really well for us, but we have a booking system. So that maybe helps too. Um, I think that the marketing message should be built around flexibility is one factor community and the group stuff as well like you've got to when you're doing your marketing messaging around it like show people smiling having fun enjoying that because people have just been sat inside on their todd bored out the nut for the last like 12 months like they enjoy group stuff people want to socialize so i think that's another thing as well is like when you're doing your marketing messaging in terms of imagery and stuff having people enjoying themselves and having fun is important and you can emphasize that but outside of that, a lot of the things are similar to one-to-one. -one. It's still a results-driven exercise. Like those are benefits and almost features as well. And you can, you can sell those too. You can sell those with the smiley images of a big group, well, not a big group, but a small group of people training. You've still got to get people the results and you've still got to sell it based on that. So a lot of the pain points and things that you normally have are still in there. But you might also have pain points around struggling with timings or struggling with flexibility or even, I, I'm always wary of like, uh, selling things based on the fact it's cheaper because that's not really my approach generally so some people will be like you know small group uh, personal training is more cost effective that can be good or bad it can backfire sometimes if you end up getting like people that are looking for the cheapest option but it can also work as well because some people that are paying for pt realize they can get an even better service for the same money so I think some of those things come into it, but I think flexibility is a big thing. The group thing is a big thing. And then also for me, the biggest selling point of small group is they get to come in and like they don't have to think about their training as such. They just come in and I'm there to coach them every single session. There's no guesswork. They don't have to figure anything out. They don't have to come in on their own. They're accountable every time they're in. That's kind of probably the selling point for me is a bit of flexibility, but those things together is that I'm there every single step of the way. And that's the selling point is they don't have to go and train on their own. And that's the type of clients that I like to train who do just want to come in and do want a coach to be there every step of the way. Mate, there's some really solid points there. The one thing I want to dig into is obviously as an industry, we're pretty crap at marketing lead generation. Um, as we know, we, we just are. And when it comes to saying like it'd be more or less the same as one-to-one, -one, you're, what you've just explained is your marketing message, especially online, will be very much the stuff that you've just walked through. But I'm, I know from working with you now for a decent amount of time that a lot of the leads that you've generated are from the gym floor and have come from the gym. Um, can you just elaborate on your top two, three points on how you would pass on some advice to personal trainers of how to lead generate from the gym floor to bring them into something like this? Yeah, first thing is obviously be really good looking. Um, that that definitely, that's definitely <laughs> it's not my selling point. I think that's a that's actually something I'll touch on briefly as well as like being the most uh, jacked personal trainer in the gym or looking like you lift the most has definitely not been my selling point. Um, it's not it's not been my my kind of thing. I think a lot of what I've won through is clients look like they're really fucking enjoying themselves, which is so important, like having a laugh. 
um, people just like enjoying themselves can be really useful for when people are watching your coaching. And that's an advantage you have a one over a one to one trainer in some ways is that you have a small group of people having a laugh. It's a bit louder. People are a bit more aware of it and things. So that can be a bit of a selling point. So that helps. That's a that's something that you take, not necessarily by doing specific lead gen, but just by coaching well and having a good group of people enjoying themselves. In terms of lead gen stuff, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can do. Obviously, the, the first thing I always say, like, and I've said this before in context, we, something we were speaking about the other day is, no conversation, unless you're shouting at someone for not wearing a mask, is a, is a bad conversation on the gym floor, is that just being saying hello to someone and being kind to people, engaging with people generally is always a very solid strategy. And it's it probably the one that's most overlooked is, yes, we want to have a process to move people into sales and all this kind of stuff. But it, it still terrifies me how many trainers would rather look at their phone than say hello to someone. Like, so that's, that's something that's worth mentioning. I think beyond that, being a little bit more specific now, I've done a few things over the years in terms of very specific uh, gym floor lead generation. I've done um, some like free trials. So I've done like seven day trials for small group, which worked quite well because one-to-one -one free trials are quite time consuming. Whereas with small group, you're already delivering those sessions anyway. I've got 23 sessions on, on my schedule. If I have a few spaces, that can work quite well potentially um, because it isn't as time consuming. So that's one thing that has worked well with us. Um, and we have a trial that runs for our class attendees where like if someone comes to class and you, you're obviously delivering that class and you can say we've got a free trial. And we get a lot of leads through that and like a steady amount every week, I would say. So that's something that's been useful. But in terms of like on the gym floor lead gen, we've had boards up with, with the trial. We've had boards up doing kind of nutrition stuff as well, um, where we've sort of like, you know, just had like a, ask me questions about nutrition. Um, actually, when you visited my gym, I think that was one of the ones I did, um, that kind of thing. So I've done a few different things. Some of them have worked better than the others. We tend to find you get the most volume through the free trials, but then you also get a slightly lower percentage of sign up. So there's a trade there. But bear in mind, if you're a brand new PT, your biggest worry is not worrying about that your like conversion rates 40% instead of 50. The fact that you're having lots of conversation and lots of leads is more important. Um, so I think that there's a couple of different things that are worked for me, but certainly trying to just be like friendly with people, engage with people, like try and not be afraid to, you know, go up and help people have like specifically gen things at peak times is useful, but really for like new PTs, classes are a really good opportunity. I find it absolutely frightening how many PTs are afraid to be like at the end of a class or the start of a class, like I'm a personal trainer here. If you need a hand with anything, or if you're looking for a PT, like things like that, or my personal favorite thing in the world is that you'll see someone looking at the profile board and you watch three PTs just walk past them. Not one of them says hello to them. So I'm like, that person's looking at the personal trainer profile board. You're a personal trainer. You want more clients and you can't even bother stopping to say, hello, can I give you a hand? Which is something I've done so many times and picked up an unbelievable amount of clients by doing. It's just literally stopping saying like, hello, how are you doing? Can, can I give you a hand with anything? Are you looking for anything? And often as not, people will be just waiting outside the disabled toilets. So, you know, it's a waste of time. But then a good chunk of the time, people are looking for personal training or they're curious about personal training and you can then take them to that next step. But obviously that's just like, that's just a make an effort to engage with members and it will take you very far. Mate, awesome. Loads of loads of top stuff to, for the guys to get into. And like you say, obviously it's a trial of your service, isn't it? It's not a taster session. It's a yeah. trial of your service. So they'll be immersed within the service within that seven-day trial. So they'll feel that sense of belonging that you try to create and that fun environment for them as well. So that's really important. Um, I'm just conscious of time because I want to keep this under or in and around an hour. Um, there is one area that you went into before, but I pulled you back out of it to talk about marketing and so on. Um, and if you can highlight this in your three, four, five top tips, I think it will help a lot of PTs. Um, and that's when it comes to programming. This is where PTs in general are, especially new PTs, this is where they second guess themselves quite a bit, all of that type of stuff. Um, and it's just, I suppose, how do you go about your programming for small group training? How does that differentiate itself from one-to-one? -one? What were your initial concerns? Um, and how do you manage that whole process now? Yeah, so I think that the first thing I'd say is like, 
uh, I don't know if this is a Nick Tuminello thing or whatever I picked it up, but 95% of people need like, you know, 95% of the same things. I think that it's really like, I, I call it skeleton programming. There's a hundred different names for it. I'm sure it's similar to when, you know, when Ollie and Jens were on and, and lots of other gym owners will be, uh, you know, talk about this, who do a lot of small group. Like basically, you know, you know that everybody's going to be doing some sort of deadlift variation. Everybody's going to be doing some sort of pressing variation, etc. So let's say in a very, very, very simple session, you've got six movements, like A1 is going to be your deadlift, A2 is a pressing movement, A3 is like a mobility or core thing. And then you've got your second lot and you've got some sort of squat and then you've got some sort of pull and then you've got some sort of core or you know accessory movement or some farmer's carry, something like that. Like you basically can start there and you, even with that incredibly basic framework, all you're doing is progressing and regressing people appropriately, moving people up and down movement continuums, which is like my big thing about this is that, yes, like people are in a small group setting and yes, they're all doing a deadlift, but you might have someone doing a barbell deadlift with quite a heavy weight at the top end. And you might have someone just doing literally like bum to walls because it's the first session and that's like the first weight or a waiter's barrel, whatever it is you're getting to start with. And then you might move towards a kettlebell deadlift. The, the nice thing about a small group is that you can always show them where they're going. So that's helpful from a programming point of view because it keeps them engaged. But also it doesn't have to be vastly complicated and you don't, I wouldn't, my bias, I think in the environments we are in commercial gyms is not to write individual programs for clients. It's to individualize off a skeleton program. I think that works better. If you have a general program and you're really good at personalizing that, that's basically the way I like to approach it. I think that's a little bit easier. So then my first point would be just like, just try and write out a relatively simple thing that you're confident, and this is a big part in your coaching ability, that you're confident you can take someone really advanced and someone really, really new and put them in the same session because ultimately it could be Ant who's been training for God knows how many years. And it could be Janet who's literally never trained before in her life. And they can be in the same session and they're both going to be doing a deadlift, but that might look completely different for them, but it still works really nicely in the programming. So that's kind of how I'd structure it is like I have this basic underlying programming and then everything's individualized off of it. And within that, we have an overall kind of phase. So generally, let's say we're back in the gym, we went through like a little bit of a hypertrophy phase where the reps were a little bit higher and things like that. So we might have higher rep ranges over a four week period. And then we might go into a four week period where intensity is a little bit higher. And then we might go into a four week period where the reps come down into a strength phase. Now I'm not talking when I'm talking about strength phase, like moving them to power lifters at the end of this four week block. That's not the case, but we might be, you know, playing about with some higher rep work in, in weeks one to four, middle ground weeks, you know, five to eight. And then by the time we're getting to the last four weeks of that block, you might do a little testing week at the end, which is what we do on week 13. And we're just dropping the reps gradually through that strength phase. So they know they're moving towards that. There is a direction with the programming. If you have someone brand new, you're not worried about what reps they're in particularly. You're just going to get, you're going to do what you would normally do to coach a beginner. Obviously, if I get someone who's on week 11 of my programming, and that's when they start, which I allow people start at any point, I'm not going to get like Janet, who's never lifted to, before to do a three rep max on the trap bar. Like that's not a good option, obviously. But with everyone else who's been training for a little bit, you can start to move them towards that. And a lot of clients really like that idea of a testing week. We try and make sure the tests are appropriate um, to where they're at. We do a lot of 5RM testing or 3RM testing or over 1RM testing. Um, but some of our clients will do 1RM testing. Um, and that, that can be absolutely fine because that's the end of a block. But most of my clients are not super advanced when they start. They might be later down the line. So that's something as well as, have a general direction of flow to the programming, but don't stress when a beginner comes in that they're not in that flow. That doesn't matter. They just need some sort of training stimulus. So give them what you would give a beginner. Don't worry about the fact it's slightly different rep ranges from the more advanced or farther down the line clients. So I think that's probably the other point. And the last thing I'd say as well is, just briefly, is when you are dealing with like, obviously like all different abilities and things like that, it can seem quite overwhelming as a coach. But the reality is that, again, most of these clients just need exactly what you normally give them. They just need to be coached effectively. They need to be encouraged. They need to have a structured program. It's not going to matter too much if your programming is not absolutely 100% optimal when you start small group pro like PT. 
my programming's still not optimal. I still chop and change it. But if people are getting in for some deadlifts, some squats, and press ups, and some rows, and they're doing it in a way that they're progressing week on week, like they're not going to go far wrong in terms of results. They're not going to get weaker. They're going to get stronger. They're going to learn how to exercise more effectively. Like you're not going to lead them astray by having slightly higher, slightly lower reps or sets over a, a 12 week period. That's not a disaster. So just do your best with what you've got and don't stress that it's not perfect because you will refine it. Like in five years, it will look so different to how it looks now. And that's fine. Plus, mate, brilliant. Really, really good. And I know what we've covered today has, or there's been some good chunky topics within a, a really good, strong topic as well within small group training. Cause you, you've obviously, we've obviously covered a little bit of marketing, a little bit of onboarding on products, on pricing, on programming, um, on kind of your background of how you got to that point, the transition of probably one-to-one clients into small group training, what you would do and how you would manage things if you were a fairly new PT coming into this to fill it. So we've literally skimmed the surface, but you've gone into a lot of detail for people and hopefully you've got the people watching and listening to this back have got tons of value um, from this because I think it has been really, really valuable. Um, Nick, anything else you want to kind of close on? You're happy? Um, all right, mate. So just to close on, what are your top three, um, top three suggestions to any personal trainers going into small group training that they need to consider? Top three bits of advice, Cameron, away you go. I think probably the thing that has helped me massively is like go and visit someone who's doing it well. Like it, it, it's so simple and so many gym owners, you'd be absolutely shocked how gracious and how, how happy people are you to come along and shadow three or four sessions um if you're in scotland um, i'm not saying that these guys will be willing to do it they may be very busy but like you know especially with covid rules and stuff but improve glasgow ross stewart's gym um i've been there twice i think um i've been to akr up in aberdeen three times because that's kind of near my family home so you know i've been there to visit i visited a friend in east kilbride as well a couple of times so just go and see what it's like to someone to someone who's running really small group because all these gyms are different the east kilbride one the numbers are bigger um ross's and uh, mike's gym up in aberdeen and, and glasgow are a little bit more similar because they're both members of ifba but they are different in terms of culture like Glasgow is quite a different kind of culture to Aberdeen, like the people in it, the community vibe is totally different, yet they're both delivering and, and their coaching is unbelievably good. And that, that would be my piece of advice is don't be afraid to go and ask most people. And obviously if you're a commercial gym and you've got a trainer who's already doing it, who's good, or you know someone, go and bloody ask them. You know, and, and if, they, if you really want, you can always pay for their time as well. Some, some trainers will maybe want that and that's fine. But I've had people shadow me as well. And I think that's probably the most important thing is you will learn so, so much by just going to see it. And I think so many PTs, whether it's one-to-one or small group, are almost like, they feel like it's, they're too good because they've been training themselves a while to go and watch another trainer. Like one of the first trainers I ever shadowed in a one-to-one setting was Stuart Aiken, who people probably know off Lift the Bar. And I must have shadowed Stuart three or four times over the years in Dundee. And, you know, I went to Dundee. I mean, nobody goes to Dundee. You just don't do that. Like, but... You know, ESG, ESG won't be happy with that comment. Oh, well, you know, I mean, if you, if you listen to the then you can... I, I saw a post about, you know, how cheap it is to live in Dundee. That's a selling point. <laughs> Even if there's no other selling points. But no, I think this is something that's helped me so much in my career. And one of the times I went to, you know watch Stuart I, I literally said to him afterwards I was like do you know what 90% of what we do is really similar our personalities are not vastly different um, and we you know our sort of like upbringings are probably not vastly vastly different so there's a lot of similarities in who we train and things like that but that was really reassuring to me and that was valuable in itself so I'm only really going to give that one thing is like literally just go and shadow someone, find a good coach, go and ask them. If you want even just to go and pay for a PT, which I think find this bonkers that most tra- trainers have never had an online coach or a trainer, like go and do a small group session, go and find out what it feels like. That will make you a much better coach and you will understand it in a way that you simply can't just by doing it like theoretically or just watching a video or even listening to us speak. That's such an important thing to do. Brilliant. Absolutely class, mate. So much value in that. So much more clarity for people who've never really looked into it before. And for those who are on the cusp of wanting to do it and transition, they've got a lot of value from that. So I can't thank you enough for your time, first of all, because I know you're busy. 
Um, and secondly, just for that really relatable advice to PTs, because they're going to take a lot from that. So I appreciate it. Mega mate. Real. Um, for those of you watching, obviously, you can ask any further questions in the comments below. Obviously, Cameron is in the group, seeing as though he works out of the Pure Gym. So I'm sure Cameron will ask any question, uh, answer any questions, should I say. And if he misses them, then we'll we'll bring up to um, Kieran's just saying he's took a lot from it, mate. So uh, Glad to hear. thank you for your time. Again, mate, you're absolutely legend. And maybe we can get back on and cover a version of this in the future because there's a lot more to get into. Thanks again, pal. And we'll uh, see you soon. Cheers, guys, for coming on too. Thanks, guys.